It's a light in a dark world. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars, and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Will Israel become Europe's new gas station? Will Putin really use nuclear weapons? If COVID is losing steam, why are vaccine passports gaining steam? And who's the latest athlete to use his fame to share the name above all names? Those answers plus much more are this week's Signs of the Times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, March 4th, 2022. Today's live broadcast can be found as podcast number 205 and will be available through most of your popular podcasting sources, or you can go right to the source, that's the Way Media app, or thewaymedia.net to listen, share, or subscribe, and it's the only place that you can read the articles we discuss, and we always encourage you to read those articles because there's a lot more content in the articles than we have time to share. And now, here to help us answer our prophetic questions... And how to avoid the potholes of life oh. <laughs> is Pastor Mark, who once told his wife to embrace her mistakes, so she gave him a hug. <laughs> okay, now okay, there, there you, see, you, Do you like it, that? Yes, that was okay. good. You brought it back. You missed I br- last I week. I brought but... it back. I know. I brought it back. <laughs> That's good. For our personal amusement. I love it. I love Everyone it. Everyone else is like, oh, please, just get to the article. And you had, But you had to bring in the potholes of life. I, yes, I did. Yes. I wanted to give you an opportunity to perhaps maybe... Listen, first of all, I want to say, first of all, glad to hear that you're okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the the bike handled great. Nothing. I couldn't even tell. I mean, it's like you knew you hit something really hard, but it was never dangerous. Never thought... It, oh, so never, never... Yeah. Never even thought, hey, I might wreck. Uh, you know, I was riding my bike. Just somebody listening out there yesterday. I went to Nashville. I like to drive, drive up on my bike and get some hot chicken every so often. I'll go up there to Hattie B's and... So me and a couple of buddies were headed up there, and the potholes are so bad right now. They're all over the road in Nashville. I don't know why it's so bad. They're everywhere. Wow. And I didn't see one. Uh, it was right in the middle of the interstate, and um, I didn't see it because the car was in front of me. And, I mean, I hit it so hard, it bent both wheels, front and back, of my Harley. And um, I didn't realize that it had bent at first. I thought, man, I hit that hard. And I kept riding about another four or five miles and realized, hey, my tire is like, Almost flat. So it was good to find out the way they designed the tires, they can't really go flat. Apparently there's a, there's something in the tires. Maybe it's thicker rubber or whatever. So you can't just have a blowout and crash. So I didn't. And I rode on it for a while. I said something's really wrong. And anyway, uh, ended up being fine. Everything was great. And, uh, but it's just a bummer because I've got to now have it in the shop for, um, a good while. And, um, state of Tennessee going to, Get it fixed for you? The way that works very yeah, briefly is work? you have to go take a picture of where it happened. And the interstate was oh. people doing 70 miles an hour. There was no way I could get a picture of it. So it's pretty much just, no, oh. it comes out of my my pocket. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, okay. yeah, that was the potholes of life. And so yes. if you go to Nashville <laughs> and you ride a motorcycle, make sure that you realize the, it's it's really horrible. I mean, it's really all over. I saw it all over Nashville, uh, potholes everywhere, and I was wow. able to miss them all. But that big one, and it took me out. So I'm I'm down for a while. Okay. But there it is. Anyway. But you're here, and which I, is good. Listen, no potholes today. No potholes no, today. No full steam ahead. Full steam um, ahead. Yes, and, and uh, we're ready to go. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, Pastor Mark, our question this week comes from Sean, who enjoys Signs of the Times down there in Seymour, Tennessee. And his question is about Neom. Have you heard about the new city being built called Neom? Can this be Mystery Babylon? The location of the city is quite interesting because it is where former biblical Edom was located. In Isaiah 63, we read that the second coming of Jesus will start from Edom. Is is it there where Jesus will take off his second coming and march on Jerusalem? Yeah, a lot lot to cover here. Yeah, a lot to cover. Yeah. 
Uh, first of all, we've covered Neon before, uh, a long, quite a while ago, a few years ago. Yeah, we talked about we it. We talked about Let's it. Let's start yeah. over. First of all, what is Neon? Let me read it again from Wikipedia, which is not always reliable, but this I think will probably be okay. Uh, Neom is the name of the future planned city to be built in Tabuk, the Tabuk province of northwestern Saudi Arabia. It's planned to incorporate small city technologies and to function as a tourist destination. The site is north of the Red Sea, east of Egypt, across from the Strait of uh, Tehran, uh, not Tehran, uh, uh, Aram, but T-I-R-A-N, and south of Jordan. And again, it's, it is in that region. I talked about it in his question. He talked about, first of all, thank you very much for the question there, Sean. Great question. It is in that region of, of where we look at... Uh, where Moab, I'll talk about that more, or Edom rather, talk about that in just a second. But Neom is it's this thing that Saudi Arabia, they're loaded with money, and they envision the city is going to be $500 billion, they're estimating to build it, major tourist uh, attraction for the world. Um, my understanding is it has still not begun yet. And so it's in the region of Edom. And so Sean asking, could it have something to do with Mystery Babylon and all that? Because Babylon's in that region generally, but not... You Which know, is... What we know is Iraq, I think, right? Yeah, it's in, a, Iraq is really Babylon. where the original Babylon yeah. is. But just that whole kind of circle, big circle of a huge, massive area of hundreds of miles over there, you'd cover uh, this whole region. So I can see where this question comes from. Um, but a couple of things real quick. I, I, I don't really see uh, necessarily, I mean, could, could, is something possible that that could end up being used in that way? I don't think so. I, I'm not going to rule anything out. But remember, this is going to be kind of a, the Babylon is spoken of as kind of a, a world headquarters centered thing, which again has led most scholars to believe that it's really more symbolic of the world system that's in play at that time because we don't have a world centered major city in that region today that could kind of where the Antichrist could lead the world from, et cetera. But could it be built rapidly? Could something happen? I guess I wouldn't rule that out. Could he even actually go to the original Babylon and, and because it's already been partially rebuilt, some of the ruins anyway, and maybe set up a headquarters there that he threw up real quick with all the money and resources for symbolism? Or is it just the symbolism of Babylon, ancient Babylon? It's really hard to nail down, Sean, which of those that it's going to be. But I don't necessarily think I wouldn't jump right on the bandwagon of around the thought that maybe Neom is that. Um, a couple of things about it in Isaiah sixty-three, um, it talks about the Lord going to uh, Petra, that region down there in Edom, and again going to battle. Uh, with the enemies of Israel and the Lord fighting the battle on his own. Let me just read a few verses. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 63.1. I'll read a few verses. Who is this who comes from Edom? Well, that's the area that, Sean, you're talking about. With dyed garments from Basra. Okay, Basra is where Petra is. So Edom and Petra. Edom is the region. Basra is, is, the, is where the modern city of Petra is today. Uh, this one who is glorious in his apparel, who is this? Traveling in his greatness and his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. He says, why is your apparel red and your garments like one who treads the winepress? He says, I've treaded the winepress alone. So it shows him going to battle on his own and defeating an army there in that area. He says, and from the peoples, no one was with me. For I've trodden them in my anger, trampled them in my fury. Their blood was sprinkled upon my garments, and I've stained my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. Uh, and so, anyway, the Lord doing this. So what's going on there? First of all, let's explain what's going on. This is not really uh, a judgment on Babylon in that sense. The judgment of Babylon we see given by the prophet uh, is simply either a, a city that could be rebuilt if it happens quickly, or really probably a system, a world system, if you will, uh, that's already in place. Edom is, and what he's talking about here in Isaiah 63 is Petra, when the Jews flee down to Petra for the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. What's going to happen is the Lord gives a warning. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation, which a revelation tells us will be the Antichrist standing on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem saying, I am God, bow down to me. It's an abomination that causes desolation. He says in Matthew 24, when you see that, get out of there. Run down to that region, the Edom region, Basra, Petra, and I will protect you for you'll be protected those three and a half years. So what's going to happen is the Antichrist will make that proclamation. The Jews will flee down there to Petra. God will supernaturally protect them in Petra for three and a half years while the bowls, the trumpets and all this stuff is going on on this worldwide judgment. Uh, many of them will have already been saved, probably some getting saved as they flee, etc. Um, only God knows the details there. And then when the Lord comes back in the second coming, this is where it gets interesting. This vision of Isaiah. He is seeing the Lord coming to Jerusalem to take over, right? To be the king of the, of the universe. But he has blood all over his robes. He, he's already been in battle. He has, he has, he's, his, his, his robes are stained with blood, and he's coming from Edom. 
And so Isaiah the prophet doesn't know what's going on. He goes, who is this coming so glorious in his apparel? He didn't know Jesus yet. That has blood all over his garments. Looks like he just finished some major battle. But he's coming to Jerusalem to establish his throne and his kingdom. This is the Lord in some form. And whatever the case, they didn't fully understand everything at that time. And so what's happening is, the Bible tells us when Jesus comes back in the second coming, that the battle is going to cover about a... That's a 1,200 stadia distance, which is, I forget the exact mileage right now. I think it's, I don't want to say the mileage because somebody may look that up online. It basically goes from what we call the field of Armageddon, the area of Armageddon, it's a, which is a battlefield area in northern Israel, all the way down to Petra. It's about that distance, which is very interesting because that is going to be, he's going to have the Jews down in Petra, and then you're going to have the battle line drawn, apparently, Greg, all the way from Armageddon, the fields of Armageddon, all the way down to Petra. And you think, why would, they, why would the battle line be so spread out here at this Battle of Armageddon? That's what we called it. Why is it spread out so far? Because blood will be up the horse's bridles for that whole distance, showing there's, there's you know, people getting destroyed that whole distance. It would appear that the Antichrist is going to send part of his army down to Petra to try to destroy the Jews. At the same time, he'll have part of his army there at Jerusalem, protecting Jerusalem, and he'll have part of the army up there in Armageddon as a staging area for all this major battle that's about to take place among the world and against the coming Messiah. So what Jesus is going to do, he's going to come back from heaven, we will come back with him, and the first thing he does is go down to Petra, down to Edom, down to this region of Neum, which he's asking about, that, that area, okay? He will by himself stomp and crush, like grapes, it says, these armies that the Antichrist has down there at Petra trying to wipe out the Jews because God has protected them the first, mm-hmm. those three and a half years. Yeah. Now he's wiping out this army. As he does it, he does it by himself. He says, I'm doing this one. You guys just want, we'll probably be there. You and I will see this battle from the air. We'll be over at Petra looking at the Lord, wiping all these guys out going, Rah! you know, it's the angels and us will be having a huge time. And then once he wipes them out, he'll come back up and join us with it. Literally, he's going to allow that blood to be on his robes. Very symbolic. He could have just not let it be on him. He could have had some heavenly Scotch guard or whatever. But he's going to let it be on his robes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to fly back over with him to Jerusalem, or else we'll be stationed somewhere there watching it from whether he'll be going by himself or us with him. I don't know. I think probably we'll go with him. Uh, and he'll come back to Jerusalem with the blood on his robes. That's the vision Isaiah is seeing. Then he'll step his foot down on the Mount of Olives. It will divide. There'll be earthquakes. All the topography changes that will take place. He will establish his throne. Uh, the sheep and the goats will happen then. He'll call all the people that are still alive on the earth to stand before him. He'll divide the sheep and the goats. Those that are the goats will go into Hades until Judgment Day at the end of the thousand years. Everyone else who knows the Lord and got saved during the Great Tribulation and survived the Great Tribulation and all the Jews that are down in Petra, who he protected, will all be going into, if they got saved, We'll all be going into the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year rule of Jesus Christ, together and be there for a thousand years with the Lord. So that's kind of the layout of what's happening. So it's very different from the mystery Babylon that we read about in Revelation. Although I can right. see how that yeah. would, I can see how that could come in your mind, Sean, because it is in that region. I mean, you definitely know your your uh, geography and you know the Bible. So that's it was a great question. But I think we're seeing two different things going on here. It's hard to nail down what mystery Babylon is for sure. But at the same time, whether literal or symbolic of the world system, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, But we do know that this battle that he's talking about in Isaiah 63 is going to be the rescue of the Jews being protected in Petra. And then they're going to be led back up to Jerusalem. It's interesting, Greg. Some people believe he'll lead those from, um, I think it's Pastor Bill Gallatin I heard share one time. He believes he's going to lead those that are down there in Petra on foot. And they're going to walk all the way back up to Jerusalem. I don't know why he believes that. That could Mm. be. I've always kind of thought that he was going to just come on back with everybody in the air, and there's the battle established. I think that's going to have to happen then. But either way, they're going to be coming back up there. The kingdom will be established. And, um, yeah, that's where that's kind of the layout of what's going to happen. Now, in his last question here, it says, is this where Jesus basically, where his second coming will take off from and march on Jerusalem? Yes. How does that compare, contrast to the scripture that tells us that Jesus is going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives. Right. Then the ground is going to open up. Right. Water's going to spring forth. Yes. It's going to head down to the Dead Sea. It's going to spring to life, whatever. Yes. I thought his arrival, his, his descent in the second coming, right. he would first land in Jerusalem, do that, and then maybe head down to Edom, or he goes right to Edom. Yeah, so how do- yeah here's why. The, okay. vision, the vision is, in really, the vision in Isaiah 63 is the second coming. Okay. Now, with that context, yes. let me read it again. 
Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? In other words, when he shows up, when there, he shows up, he's to put already, his foot on the Mount of Olives, Greg, he's already covered in blood. It's all over his robes. So he, it would appear he's going to come down, go to Basra, Edom first, that region, protect the Jews down there, wipe out the armies of the Antichrist that are trying to kill them because he hates the Jews, and God's not going to let him. He's going to protect them. Right. Then he'll come back, set his throne on the Mount of Olives. That's where it splits. That's where the water comes out on the southern side and starts the new stream. He takes his throne. Everything changes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be very it, – It's it's a, it's a, the sequence of it is very interesting okay, when you look yeah, at Isaiah is. 63 and the other prophecies relating to the second coming. So, um, so there isn't really a march on Jerusalem, so to speak. It's really more a landing at Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, and then from there – he comes right on over. Will he float? Will he walk? I don't know. But he's going to, he, he'll probably, when he stands there, you know, you think about it, Greg, he's going to put his foot down. It'll split. And then it says that he's probably won't walk from there because the earth is going to rise up. It tells us that he's going to change the topography uh, in other places. And literally, this Jerusalem's going to spring up while the other mountains fall down. It'll be a major platform where the, the new temple will be built, which actually in technically would be the fourth temple, because the Antichrist will help build the third temple. So right. the Lord will establish the fourth millennial temple there as it, as it comes up out of the ground, whether it be all supernatural at the moment. We don't know how it's going to be, but it'll be there. Uh, some estimates, again, I, I referenced uh, Pastor Bill Gallatin. I'll reference him again because I believe he's the one that did the calculations uh, and said that it was about a 26-mile platform that's going to raise up there in Jerusalem. And um, so it, it, it's it's going to be this thing that just kind of happens and spreads out that he's going to step right onto it and establish his throne. And we're going to be there with him. And we're going to see the, all the nation, the angels gathering all the peoples of the earth. They're going to bring him in somehow. I don't know. They're going to fly him in. It's, it's really, How's this going to happen? I don't know. They're going to be gathered there. And then he'll have that judgment. We'll be there watching wow. the sheep and the goats on yeah. his right and his yeah. left. We will see the goats consigned to Hades. Will they be held there for a thousand years in the center of the earth? Until Judgment Day, the final Judgment Day, we'll see the sheep go right on in, which will include, again, as we said, all over the world, including those from Petra. And then we will start, it just, the millennial kingdom begins, yeah. and the desert spring to life, and we're going to start, there we go. I mean, I just can't wait. I can't, it's just, I get excited about it, especially and, with the mess we see in the world today. Well, and the best part is, is that Jesus doesn't have to go to the city of Jerusalem and apply for a construction permit. So. Oh, yeah, but don't, you no kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's like, again, we always <laughs> said, what if Noah had to try to get the ark built today? I mean, that would all been dead before they'd have gotten the permit. So. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, Sean, we, we hope that that answers your question, and if you've got a question like Sean, we encourage you to go to the WayMedia.com. Net, just click on Signs of the Times, or you can shorthand it and just uh, type in the signs.org. It's going to take you to the same page, and then click on Ask a Prophecy Question, and we will get it to Pastor Mark and answer it on our next broadcast. All right, let's uh, go to Israel. Mm-hmm. And um, MSN.com is asking the question, can Israel become Europe's gas supplier we say prophetically, yeah, probably. Yeah, and if nothing else, the threat of it, because yeah. let, let me read this a little bit, and I want to talk about this for a moment, Greg. Uh, Israel could make moves to position itself, the article says, as a central gas exporter in the Middle East. This is huge. As tensions surrounding the war in Ukraine have led to discussions about alternatives to Russia's gas exports, while it is already supplying gas to Jordan and Egypt, that is Israel. If the right steps are taken, Israel has the potential to become the natural gas source for Europe as well. Now, this has huge implications. Those uh, signs of the times listeners out there are sought fans that are out there. You've already heard us talk about this. Um, you know, Russia gets over 60% of their uh, economy comes from their uh, oil and gas supplies to Europe and the world. Um, I mean, my goodness, we ourselves here in America are, are dependent on Russian oil. We, we, now, that, I mean, we didn't used to be, but we are now. And so we're actually buying oil from them as well. And that's their aspiration, Greg. They want to take over as much oil and gas and, and supplies of energy for the world that they can um, so that they can control the world. As a matter of fact, uh, you probably saw in the news last night, I know that many of our listeners no doubt did, that um, Vladimir Putin actually, I mean, this is amazing, actually attacked Europe's largest nuclear power plant there in Ukraine, attacked it with, I mean, missiles. Uh, last night, and they've now taken it over. I'm thinking, okay, if there's one thing you don't want to shoot missiles at, it should be a nuclear facility because, again, you release the radiation, and again, he wouldn't care, I'm sure. If radiation had been released, it would have met his purposes. He would have killed millions. It would have been a good deal for him, uh, but it would have tainted the area for a while, so he couldn't have used it. I, I, and I don't understand the mindset there because it would have hurt him coming in now to take over. But either way, why would he want that? Well, blackmail, we're holding back more of your energy, but look what he's doing. He's trying to get, he's getting the oil and gas resources of Ukraine. He's getting, trying to get, he'll uh, get the, now the, um, nuclear supply of Ukraine and Europe, but he looks one of the largest 
suppliers of Europe. And the whole mindset is, I'm in control. I control your, your, your ability to function. Your gas, your oil, your heat, your life, everything. He's taking over as much as he can. Now, we see his mindset in doing this. Even willing to fire missiles at a nuclear plant to take it over. That's how desperate this guy is. Now they're talking about shutting off all of his supplies, you know, Europe not buying from him anymore. Now we see some of the major oil companies pulling out and not working with Russia anymore. All this does is ratchet up the pressure on him to get more control and more power so they can't take away his power and his control. And um, and then you see Israel coming on the scene going, hey, we've got this one of the world's largest oil supplies in the Golan. And you've got one of the largest natural gas supplies in the Mediterranean. We've talked about that numerous times on the program. This is an obvious question. Hey, guys, if Russia's doing all this, can we get gas and oil from you? And the answer should be, of course, yes, you can. But this just now gives more reason for hooks in the jaw very possibly to pull Russia down and say, no, you can't. We're taking all this up here, and now we're going to take all that down there. So this is really playing out, Greg, very clearly is what the Bible says will happen. Yeah, and I was just going to say that now now we can understand Russia's desire to go down there and take the booty, so to speak, as it says in Ezekiel, because... If if Israel if Israel is now the major supplier to Europe, yeah. Well, I mean, from a you know income standpoint, I mean that's crippling to the Russian economy. It really is, Greg. And I know we talked about getting the article in next week, but I want to mention real quick sure. about this whole yeah. um, um, you know the the banking system they the have. Swift. Going, yeah, the yeah. Swift banking system. This is a worldwide banking system that nations use to transport monies back and forth easily for all their nations' transactions and government transactions and all that. Well, the world's linked together in large part in that. Well, they cut Russia out of it, which means Russia suddenly doesn't have all those resources keeping their country going. This, it could have a, a huge and would have had. A major impact financially very rapidly and shutting down I mean, just desperate times in Russia. But China, as you would expect, stepped in to be their hero. China has their own SWIFT that they've developed. They have their own money transfer system, and they're now giving Russia access to it, which has kind of helped them get around. It's almost like when mom will let you do it, run to dad, and he lets yeah. you or whatever. Um, they, they found a way to get around it to lessen the pain. But the reality is, to, if you take away, if everybody quits buying their oil and gas, and then you take away their ability for finances, Greg, this gets only more desperate. I think about the guy with the gun, you know, and he's got the hostages, and they're like they're surrounding him. It's like you come near, I'm going to start shooting people. If he realizes he has nothing to lose and he's going to die, there's a greater chance he's going to start shooting the hostages. This is what's happening to Vladimir Putin. He's being surrounded by the world right now with greater pressure, and that's why they just mentioned last week. Hey, we don't think Israel has the right to go on. I think that's a staging statement. To say, when we take Golan, because we're planning on it now, when we take Golan, because we're right there on the border with Syria, when we do that, we're, we had the right to do it because of what you've done. And just today or yesterday, they told Israel, we don't want you bombing anybody else in Syria. Israel has, oh, what do we have that in the articles, don't we? Yeah, that's our, that's all right. I, that's our next thing. We'll get to it. All right, we'll get I to know. it. <laughs> either, way, either way, I get excited because I've looked at all these and I forget where I've seen them and how many they're all. But the bottom line is, yes. the pressure <clears throat> is, is rising on Vladimir Putin, yeah. Greg. It's just, it's looking like. It's almost like I've got to go down there and stop this supply that Israel has. Well, let's explore this. As let's do Israel it. today is talking about Russia wanting Israel to stop bombing Syria, and uh, you know the article, and you are going to share exactly what Israel is bombing in yeah. Syria, what's been permitted up till now, and now all of a sudden. It's kind of we're not going to turn a blind eye anymore That's right. from That's Russia. Right. Yeah, there's. St- I wonder how long they would go till they shut this down. And I like the uh, moving from that last article into the exploration word here, oil exploration. Yes. Anyway, Moscow warns of a sharp escalation if Israel continues to strike Iranian and Hezbollah targets in the war-torn country of Syria. And I quote, once again, we're insisting, uh, insistently calling upon the Israeli side to refrain from such use of force. Russian Foreign Minister Spokesman Maria Zakharova, uh, sorry, Zakharova, Zakharova, there you go, told, told the TASS news agency last week. Now, here's what's happening. We knew at some point they're going to have to stop Israel or they're going to get upset with Israel about bombing in syria because iran's there russia's there bible says they're going to link up and come against israel so at some point it's going to turn greg it's turning started with golan and the oil situation it's going to be turned toward the mediterranean they have all these warships in the mediterranean right now they want the natural gas as well now you've got a situation where they're saying you can't bomb syria here's what israel is doing in the sense of bombing syria let me explain to our listeners all israel's doing they're not they're being you know going on offense to attack syria they are stopping shipments flights, terror activities, uh, production of, of missiles. They're stopping anything that can threaten Israel because they want Iran is there 
controlling Syria for the most part with Russia, and they want to destroy Israel. So here's what Israel does. All right, they get the word that there's some weapons that just came in on some Russian flight. They're not going to shoot a Russian plane down. Because that starts war with Russia. Yeah. So they let the Russian planes fly in or the Iranian planes under Russian protection or transports coming in or whatever. And if they catch a transport, it's, it's Iranians, boom, they just blow it up. They don't hit the Russians, but they'll blow the Iranians up. They don't care because they know they can't stop them. They'll get those weapons. Then they're transferred to some facility. Well, the Russian or rather the Israeli intelligence is stellar, as yeah, you they know. Are. Yeah. And those guys are everywhere. How they do it, I don't know. Um, they get a, They get a feed on it. They get the coordinates on it. Their guys fly in. Boom. It's done. And so Russia has said, we will allow you to do that up to this point because it doesn't threaten Russia. And we realize you're taking out weapons that can be used against you. So we don't really care, you know, whatever. But now all of a sudden, Israel has been vocally more than once now. Again, they just voted in the U.N. against Russia just this week. They're vocally standing with, guess who? Ukraine. We want to support Ukraine. This is wrong what Russia is doing. All of a sudden, oh, it's wrong what we're doing? Well, then we'll take the Golan. You know, we're going to do this. Well, I don't know what I yeah. but either yeah. way, fill in the blank. But, <laughs> but the bottom line is, now the tide's turning, Greg. And so they're saying, now you can't do it. Well, here's the problem. Guess who has to continue doing it or their, their nation's in danger? Israel has to go in and take these things out. They have to take out these missiles. They have to take out these things that are going to be used against them because it's life and death, which means they're going to continue to strategically strike, which means Russia, who's already inflamed by Vladimir Putin on his war campaign right now, it's going to get hotter and hotter. Okay, you're doing that. You're attacking us. We're coming after you. Man, you can see the tide turning. You can see the hooks in the jaws getting set. It's almost like the lure's been thrown out there, Greg, and it's sitting right there in front of the Golan fish. Yeah. Sitting right there in front of the Syrian fish, sitting right there in front of, you know, the, the oil and gas fish, and there's and these sparkly lures that, that they've not been set, but they're there, and, and, and it's like, you know, God's got them in place, and when Russia makes that move, boom, God, they'll bite the bait, God's going to set the hook, all our Tennessee boys will love this illustration, yeah. and those fish are coming in, and then Israel, Russia's pulled down in there, and we've got this battle on, so I mean... This is you're watch. I'm watching this unfold, and it's really, really intriguing in a lot of scripture. We'll get into Ezekiel 38 and 39 stories in the second half, and Israel and Ezekiel. These stories they 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 kind of interlace uh, to a certain extent. Uh, but when Pastor Mark, when we're talking about Russia going in and bombing a nuclear facility yeah. in yeah. Ukraine, yes. and in the stories we're going to talk about in the second half. Uh, and and the reports that other people have made regarding a, a marked countenance change. And these are people that are making these statements that do not know the Lord for all we know, yeah. don't understand Bible prophecy, don't understand the Bible. Yeah. But they're making comments about the countenance change in Vladimir Putin. And we've talked about the Prince of Rosh, the Prince of Gog, the you know these, and and you've done a, a teaching on this before in terms of the regional demons right. that have dominion and have had dominion as far as we know since the beginning of their fall. That's right over regions yeah. in the earth, and we can trace that back, especially Syria being a very dominant area controlled demonically. Uh, so, would you say because that? defeats the rationale of human reasoning right. that you'd bomb something that's going to basically bomb you back with radiation yeah who does that other than if you're not influenced yeah i would agree and just for the biblical reference for our listeners that's daniel chapter 10 you'll go back and read about the regional demons prince of greece prince of persia etc and and i do believe we see that this so satan has his armies around the globe in different places and it is. They're saying there's been a marked change, not just his countenance, his attitude. And when you see somebody, Greg, this reckless, I mean, Putin has always been a killer. We know that. He's, he came out of, you know, the, the, the he's always been a part of the Russian, you know, secret service and all that. And, and you the never KGB. Yeah, yeah, never leaves you. It's always there. Um, but the, they're saying now there's been a change in him. And it might be that that the demonics uh, uh, over the demons over that region have now gotten to him and just taken control. Because you see the recklessness. Remember, the demonic realm doesn't care who they kill or who they wipe out. And we're seeing a change in him, his countenance, recklessness. It may be now that Putin has been taken over and is now being demonically controlled, which only makes this more interesting heading into Ezekiel 38 and 39. Yeah, and we're going to do that when we come back in the second half and talking about Putin putting his nuclear forces on high alert and what that could mean for the region and other articles. The Signs of the Times continues right after this. WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. 
This is Holy Land Moments, a radio ministry of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. On today's program, the Fellowship's C.J. Burroughs shares one of our Heroes of the Holocaust stories about the Holocaust hero who saved Curious George. During World War II, a Portuguese diplomat defied the orders of his nation's dictator, issuing thousands of visas to European Jews and allowing them to escape certain death at the hands of the Nazis. The stress of risking everything to save lives caused Aristides de Sousa Mendes to have a nervous breakdown. But after a secluded rest, he defiantly declared, From now on, I'm giving everyone visas. There will be no more nationalities, races, or religions. He continued these compassionate acts until the government finally expelled him from diplomatic service. Now treated as poorly as the struggling refugees they once helped, Sousa Mendes and his family ate their meals at the soup kitchens of Lisbon's Jewish community. For the rest of his life, this man of mercy went unrecognized for his sacrificial acts. But today, it's believed that the diplomat may have issued as many as 30,000 visas, 10,000 of those for Jews escaping the Nazis. Decades after his death in 1954, Aristides de Sousa Mendes is now remembered for his heroic and selfless actions and was named Righteous Among the Nations by Yad Vashem, Israel's official memorial to the victims of the Holocaust. You've been listening to Holy Land Moments, a radio ministry of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. During Black History Month, learn more about the historic bond between African Americans and the Jewish community by visiting holylandradio.org for our complimentary copy, On the Front Lines of Faith. That's holylandradio.org. This has been Holy Land Moments from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. You know, sometimes a setback comes in your life, a serious one and a painful one. It might seem it's so huge and monumental and that you'll never recover. But in reality, it becomes the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Maybe you wouldn't have gotten that new job if you wouldn't have lost the previous one. Perhaps you'd never be involved in that brand new ministry that you're in had God not closed that door you were looking to in another place. Maybe you would have never found that special man or that special woman that the Lord had personally picked out for you if you had remained forever in that previous relationship that was so painful when you broke up. You can learn more at edtaylor.org. Grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus by visiting edtaylor.org. This has been a Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back, everyone, to our second half as we look at Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news. These are the Signs of the Times for Friday, February February 4th. Uh, do you want to go back in time or in the future? We don't know. <laughs> but today's March 4th. <laughs> Maybe you still wish it was February 4th. Gas prices were definitely cheaper February 4th than they are today. Anyway, I'm Greg Hilt. On the other side of the glass is Pastor Mark Kirk, here to help us understand what is going on in our crazy world from a biblically prophetic perspective. And, of course, we've got lots of wars and rumors of wars going on right now. We've got uh, Russia actively engaged in the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, we've got the brewings of China potentially invading Taiwan. Uh, I'm sure more to come as the weeks go by. So don't be surprised if we start talking about that more and more, because Jesus already said these things would be happening in the latter days, the wars and rumors of wars. Now, as it relates to Russia invading uh, Ukraine, uh, a lot of people, and we were talking about this in the first half, uh, Vladimir Putin seems to be off his hinges. Yeah. In terms of uh, what he's doing, you know, just in terms of the invasion in general, uh, knowing the bloodshed that this was going to cause, uh, but yet bombing a nuclear facility that we yeah. talked about in the first half. And now this story from the uh, AP News outlet, Putin puts nuclear forces on high alert, escalating tensions. No kidding. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. Again, uh, you know, as you said, Vladimir Putin dramatically escalating east-west tensions by ordering the Russian nuclear forces put on high alert Sunday while Ukraine's embattled leader agrees to talks with Moscow as Putin troops and tanks drove deeper into the country, closing in on the capital. 
you know, you, you think he puts his forces on high alert, and you think, would this guy really do something like that? Greg, you have to think, if he's going to send a missile, now I don't know what kind of missile it was, but I don't know if you've seen the footage. It looks like one of these underground explosive missiles, bunker buster or whatever. You see the thing go in, and then all of a sudden this flash of light comes out from underneath the underground where this, where this plant is, and I'm like going, you're sending bunker busters in. Here's the point. It's like you said. If he's willing to do that, then why wouldn't he be willing to use uh, limited uh, field nukes? And he's talking about it again today. His guys are saying, hey, we may have to use field nukes. And for those listeners out there that aren't aware, these are smaller nuclear weapons. Look, any nuclear weapon is bad news. But these are not like the gigantic, you know, thermonuclear that take out entire cities or whatever. I mean, they, these could, could take out a city, but I mean, regions, these massive ones. It's not good, is my point, but he's talking about using them. They have smaller ones that they use in, in battlefield-type settings or that can be used, and he may do it. I mean, he's, he's already, if he's going to attack a, a nuclear plant, what's the difference in detonating a, a limited nuclear weapon? And if that happens again, you talk about the whole world getting involved. You talk about you know World War III type thing. That could really take place, and where does it go from there? We, we know this, and I guess let me call our listeners. The world is not going to be destroyed by nuclear weapons. We know that. As a matter of fact, the world is still intact when the Lord comes back in the second coming. It's going to be a mess. Those last three and a half years, I mean, everything's burning, and it's just a mess, but it's not all destroyed. Now, he does say in Matthew 24, had I not intervened, all flesh would be destroyed. But we know this, uh, even when the Antichrist takes over, even into the first three and a half years of that, the Bible says, and Jesus said in Matthew 24, people will be marrying and giving in marriage. They're going to be all the way up to the rapture, and it would appear even beyond. So the world's not going to be destroyed, but that doesn't mean there won't be some limited uh, field nuclear weapon, one or two, that could go off. And if he's going to be bombing these facilities, Greg, this could be something. I'm not saying it'll happen. I really don't think it will. My gut feeling is it won't. But I'm saying this is the kind of guy, especially if he's being taken over by demonic entities now, I mean, it's not out of the question. Yeah. Well, and and we don't even know really long term if there's been any damage done to this nuclear plant in the Ukraine when you think about the concussive nature of these bombs. Yep. What what cracks? What fissures? What cracks? What you, you we just don't. No. No, that's a good point. You may have fission fissures. Yes. uh, But, Greg, they do know this. There's nothing leaking right now. There's no radiation. They've tested the region. There's no radiation leakage at this moment. But you're right. Look, they've done that. A small earthquake? Another blast nearby? I mean, you just don't know. Now, if that happens, that's not a nuclear weapon going off. But the people in that region, they're going to be have radiation poisoning and die of cancer. I mean, it's going to be horrible. It'd be a horrible thing if it happens. But, again, this guy, he's losing it. Now, we don't know what the world is going to do in response to what Putin is doing. We know what the world has done in the past when people like Putin have had power and have tried to take over areas. Right. And I'm going back to World War II and Adolf Hitler. Right. The world banded together. It took its sides. You had access, access and allies, so to speak. Right. Uh, and the U.S. was leading an allied invasion uh, into Europe to basically take out Hitler yeah. and restore the area. Is that going to happen this time? You know, Greg, what a great question. Here's, here's, And we've talked about this. This is something that we've talked with our fellowship about. I don't know if we've talked on the radio, but there is no hero right now. Here's no, the problem. Not. Here's the problem, and that, I know that's what you're getting yeah. at. That's a great point that we need to emphasize which is good news. I'll tell you why it's good news here in a minute. But it's bad news on the earth and for the moment. What In the past, when these things have happened, God has always had a hero nation in the background. Um, a nation with strength and power that could go take out the bad guy. In our generation, it's been us. It's been the United States of America. Um, we've been the ones with the nuclear or the, the, the largest army and nuclear capabilities, and everybody feared us. And so we went in, again, in, in World War II, the whole time they were saying, somehow we've got to get America involved in this or we're going to be in big trouble. So they were trying to get America. They were actively, Britain was actively uh, even calling, saying, please, would you get involved? The, the, the history's there. They wanted us involved. And we kept saying, no, 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 until all of a sudden we got pulled into it. Pearl Harbor. There you go. Now we're saying, okay, game on. Now you've yeah. hit us. We're coming after you. So God allowed that to use America to stop this war, if you will. 
this is something we've discussed. There is no hero now on the horizon that has the power or the will to do anything. America is the only one that still has the power uh, to go in and stop something like this. But our leadership right now does not have the will. And as a matter of fact, we're not as dominant over everyone else as we used to be. There's no hero to write in, Greg, other than the Lord or the Antichrist pretending yeah. to be the hero. And we only want to talk about this for those people that might be frustrated, and understandably so, that the world is not coming together in some form or fashion, whether it's via NATO or some other alliance, to take on Putin. Yeah. Okay? Even though Putin in and of himself is a formidable foe. But as we look at Bible prophecy, and if indeed... And we, we won't know until we know. But if indeed what we're seeing right now with the, in, the Ukrainian invasion are the headwinds yeah. of Ezekiel 38 and 39, if, yeah. they, if they are, if this is the beginning, then no one will come to the aid. Right. Because prophetically, no one will, the Bible says. Yeah. Now, if... If we intervene somehow in some way with other nations to stop Putin's aggression, then maybe there's a temporary reprieve. Yeah. But at some point, whether this is the beginning of it or not, at some point, the invasion of Ezekiel will will happen and no one will come yeah. to, to Israel's defense. Yeah, and that's key, Greg. Right now there is no one. There just isn't. There's no one there to rescue the yeah. world. And we know that God's the hero, and but God used America, but who would God use now? You see, I mean, well, God could do anything he wanted, but nobody has the will. We don't see God having a nation in place to want to do anything. We don't have a leadership in place that's listening to the Lord, that's following the Lord un- under the Lord's leading to do battle for the Lord. Right. And I think this really sets up, Greg, the coming of the Antichrist. You know, they're talking now about Putin uh, detonating what they call vacuum bombs. Have you heard that? Do you mm, know what that is? No. These are basically the largest bombs you can detonate without it being nuclear. We called it the MOAB, which is the mother of all bombs. It's an acronym. They call it the FOAB, the father of all bombs. It's the same basic bomb. It's right on the edge of nuclear, but the largest that we have known to the world. And what it does is it basically vacuum sucks everything toward it and pulls away. Just kind of just, you know, it just disintegrates and implodes people. It's this horrible weapon. Okay. And the same thing is happening, I believe, right now in the spiritual sense. A spiritual uh, FOAB or MOAB has gone off. That is all leadership has been sucked out of the way. And we have a world that has a vacuum, quite literally, of leadership. There is no one right now to come in and save the day. And, Greg, even once the day is saved, there's nobody to lead the world right now. We do not have a world leader that the world would look to and go, hey, this is our hero. Well, guess what? If this leads to that, as you said, the headwinds, and we see this vacuum over there, and it goes into Ezekiel 38 and 39, then this guy could step right on the scene and be everyone's hero and say, you know, we saw what just happened, and this charismatic, spiritually empowered, but not by God, a man steps on the scene, and the world goes, now we have a hero, now we have a world leader, and everybody looks to him. Russia's been basically diffused, because their armies have been wiped out, all these other nations— What's going to happen with China? I don't know. That's still a question. I'm waiting to find out what's going to happen with China. But this guy's it's not going to be China leading the world. It's going to be this world leader out of Europe. And the stage is set, and this guy's going to be able to step in without any opposition from America or any other superpower yeah. besides China, yeah. which, again, I, how that's going to happen, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. Well, our last story in this uh, category, Pastor Mark, comes from JNS.org. Uh, Russia could be preparing a new challenge for the West in the Mediterranean, according yes. to a former Israeli envoy. Well, and that's what it looks like, as we talked about all the warships that are out there now in uh, the Mediterranean. Let me read some of this. Um, again, the, the Megan noted, uh, th- that is, Ukraine's Zavi Megan uh, said this, he noted a large-scale naval and air exercise held by the Russian military in the eastern Mediterranean in recent days saw long-range nuclear-capable bombers, fighter jets carrying hypersonic missiles, those are the ones you just pretty much can't shoot down, um, from Russia's airbase in Syria for massive naval drills in the region amid soaring tensions with the West, according to a report uh, last week in the Military Times. The idea is this. We're letting the West know you can't stop us, and if you do try to stop us, we will use nuclear weapons. See, I think he's making a statement. I'll attack this nuclear facility. I've got field nuke weapons. I've got hypersonic nuke. Mess with me. Go ahead. You know what? We're all going down in a blaze together. You mess with me, we'll all go down together. I think he's he's kind of sending that message so nobody's going to say, well, we're coming after you. Okay, do it. Then we'll all blow up together. Like, he doesn't care. Yeah. In the past, it's kind of been what they call the mutually assured destruction. That is, we don't want to die, you don't want to die, so let's neither of, them, let's neither of us fire these kind of weapons. 
Now it's like, you know what? I'm all in. I'm going for it. And whatever's taking over him right now, I, he may do it. The West knows that. But now he's got all of his warships in the Mediterranean. He's in Syria. He's uh, taking over Ukraine. He's flexing his muscles. He's riding his horse with his shirt off. Uh, for those of you that have seen pictures of him doing that, i got to throw that in for bonus points. But either way... <laughs> You know, that was enough for me to want to take the guy out. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Put the shirt on. This is terrible. You know, but either way, yeah. um, the reality is, Greg, is that it, he has positioned himself in such a way that threatens the entire Middle East and the world. Now, so what are we going to do? What's going to happen? He's going to be taken out. His army is going to be taken out. God is going to annihilate the Russian army from the Mediterranean, from the coast of Israel, from everywhere. Boom, he's going to wipe them out when they move on Israel. But he's waiting until they move on Israel, yeah. and then he's going to do it. And that's where I said this article goes right in line with the other articles. The stage is being set. He's going to come in, and the Antichrist is yeah. going to come in with this vacuum in the world with nobody, right. no leadership, and he's going to take the stage and take over. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to watch. Wow. All right, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Uh, Pastor Mark, this is from Forbes.com. A national vaccine pass is quietly rolled out, and red states are getting on board. What is this all about? Yeah, this is very interesting, Greg. You know, we tend to think that right now um, things have gone quiet on this kind of uh, digital data recording of people system. Again, we know it's coming. The Bible talks in Revelation 13 about the Antichrist making everyone take a mark on their hand or their forehead that you can't either buy or sell or do anything uh, without having it. That's coming. And we saw the headwinds of that in this whole vaccine passport stuff. That is the digital marking of everyone. And you have to use it if you want to buy and sell and all these different things that have to take place. And it's kind of gotten quiet now that COVID has died out, kind of disappeared. Everybody's going back to normal. You would think the vaccine passport push would dissolve. The problem is it's not dissolving. It says even as the Omicron variant loosens its grip on the world, destinations continue to require travelers to show proof of vaccination. And... Increasingly, a paper CDC vaccination card is not cutting it. While the United States government has not issued a federal digital vaccine pass as of yet, a national standard has nevertheless emerged and is underway. To date, 21 states, the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico offer accessibility to, here it is, the Smart Health Card, a verifiable digital proof of vaccination developed through the Vaccination Credential Initiative, VCI, a global coalition. Note this. This is global stuff. That's why it's signs of the times of public and private stakeholders, including Microsoft, interestingly <laughs> enough, Salesforce, Oracle, Mayo Clinic, and other health and tech heavyweights. And very soon, at least four more states will be rolling out access to smart health cards. Here's what's happened. This whole digital tracking system took place with uh, covid and although COVID's dying out, it's not. Yeah. It's continuing on. So when you ask, well, why are they continuing this? Well, we know, spiritually, we understand the world's heading toward a digital mark that everyone will have to take. So the Antichrist is marching this forward. Rather, Satan is marching this forward through the spirit of the Antichrist, who will soon come on the scene for yeah. this to happen. And that's why it's happening. And when you ask now, so why are we doing this since uh, COVID is really not an issue anymore? It's died out. Well, what they're saying, well, we need to be ready for the next pandemic. Well, and Jesus Jesus spoke in plurality when he talked about plagues and pestilence. Yes, and, and here's yeah. the problem, though. They don't know what Jesus said. They're no. saying it almost like it's, it's yeah. like you said, a pandemic. Yeah, a pandemic. And, yeah. and the, now they're saying, Greg, the, the World Health Organization, they're, they're already putting together um, this digital system in addition to the vaccine uh, cards or whatever for the next pandemic. And they're talking now about there's supposed to be some vote coming up soon to try to make this global so that all nations participate. So very soon... And I don't think it's going to happen until the Antichrist comes on the scene, but the world will be forced to be digitally marked. It's going to happen. Yeah. And I think we're going to be out of here before that. And the Antichrist is going to really be the one spearheading it. He's the one taking that vacuum of leadership. He'll take it. He'll push this agenda forward. But understand, just because you're not hearing about vaccine passports in the news right now, don't think that it's still not very, very active and underway behind the scenes, because indeed it is. Uh, Swedish researchers at Lund University have uh, found that the Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is going into liver cells yeah. and is getting converted to DNA. Yeah, what let, is this Well, let me about? read some of this and explain what's going on. This is pretty intense. The messenger RNA from Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is able to enter the human liver. As a matter of fact, we know it does. Uh, that's the first place it goes in the largest quantity and is converted into DNA, according to the Swedish researchers of Lund University. They found that when the mRNA enters the human liver cells, it triggers the cell's DNA, 
which is inside the nucleus to increase the production of line one gene expression to make mRNA. The mRNA then leaves the nucleus, enters the cell cytoplasm, and translates back into a protein, which becomes... Let me just explain it. Again, yeah. <laughs> here's what's going on. Not that I'm a doctor or scientist, but I do know what's happening here. Here's what's happening. They bragged in saying, this does not affect your DNA. It will not change your DNA. Technically, initially... That's true at the beginning, but that's not. They weren't. They they didn't tell the whole truth in the long run, and they knew it. And now this research team in Sweden, Greg, has uncovered it and is releasing the study. Here's how it works: You get the shot. It's an mRNA messenger RNA. The messenger RNA goes out and activates, and then the messenger RNA itself creates a whole new DNA line that goes back into your DNA. So they're creating a DNA that is going into your DNA and joining your DNA so they can say technically that from the shot they're not affecting your DNA, but they're creating DNA that goes into affect your DNA. So it's, it's, it's true and a lie at the same time. Here's the bottom line. These shots do, in fact, now we know from this study coming out of Sweden, they do, in fact, affect your DNA. Mm. That's that's bombshell stuff. Bombshell stuff. Well, here's another bombshell, Pastor Mark. This is from Daily Expose in the UK. The UK government has released a report confirming the fully vaccinated now account for nine in every ten COVID deaths in England. Yeah, this is um, really quite shocking here. And let me that's read. from the UK government. Yeah, I just it keep is. That in mind. Well, and remember, they're a little bit ahead of us, which means we're going to be getting the same results here and probably already have them. But I don't know that we're going to be as honest to release it. It seems that the UK and Israel, even though they're held back politically, they're not held back quite as much as we are politically. But this is huge um, because, again, it's confirming that deaths are rising. Note this in the UK, deaths are rising dramatically among the triple vaccinated. In other words, the non-vaccinated population is doing well. The triple vaccinated are having big problems with the most recent figures showing the fully, now get this, fully vaccinated means you've had two shots. Uh, the, the triple vaccinated is the booster. Okay, so listen, with that understanding, listen to this statement. The most recent figures are showing in the UK that the fully vaccinated, that is shots one and two, are now accounting for nine out of every 10 COVID-19 deaths over the past month. So it's it just recently in the last month, boom, kicked in, and nine out of ten of the deaths are from those that are double vaccinated. And the triple vaccinated account for four out of every five, which is even a higher statistic for those statisticians out there for the triple vaccinated. So what it's saying is if you had the two vaccinations, uh, Britain is finding that uh, nine out of the ten deaths right now over the last month in Britain are from the double vaccinated, not the, the non-vaccinated are doing fine. And then the the boosted, there are even a higher percentage of deaths among the boosted. This is bad news on a number of levels. I just want to say that um, we've not been told the truth. We've been uh, deceived by our, our leaders and by the, uh, the WHO and our health officials. And it's going to get ugly because people are going to start demanding a reckoning here, especially as more and more family members pass away. As things begin to happen, we talked about the two teenage boys that died last week after they got their shot. And you're going to see more of this happening with myocarditis and all kinds of things. And, Greg, the problem with that is it's not just the human catastrophe, which is the main problem, but what you're going to see happen and what even what even Klaus Schwab, who is the leader of the World Economic Forum, who's pushing all this stuff, said the other day, I saw the video myself. He said what's going to happen is, is you're going to see a greater um, aggression and anger among the world's population. And he wasn't saying the vaccines were bad. He was saying you're going to see a greater anger among the population because of what's happening from all of this. And he said the nations of the world need to be ready to deal with it. (laughs) So what they're recognizing is people are going to get angry when they find out their family member didn't have to die. And people are going to be angry when they find out they weren't told the truth about the shots. And, And you're going to see this kind of uprising. And he's saying there's going to be world chaos and turmoil Within the next few months to a year, and because people are going to demand answers, and he's already telling all the world leaders, you better get ready and have a plan in place. So this is going to get very, very interesting. And you talk about end-time stuff. If you want to write an end-times movie, you're watching it. We're in the middle of it. Well, and not only that, when you've got a world in chaos and in frustration and in anger over all of their loved ones dying because of this, they're definitely distracted from what's going on with Russia.
Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, it's it's the it's the perfect storm of prophetic fulfillment yeah. on so many levels. It's like Pastor Russia Martin. is such a huge diversion for this stuff that's happening. You know, and Greg, it almost looks like you know it really is to um, the nation, the national leaders' advantages, and the and the who WHO forced something like this to yeah. happen so that everybody stops looking at what's really going on and they look over there. Hey, look! It's like sleight of hand. It's this yeah. whole magician sleight yeah. of hand stuff. Red herrings for everybody. You're not kidding, but I mean, I just think how long is that going to hold up yeah. until people start saying, "Wait a minute, why?" why why are we seeing all these things happen and all these this, these problems with this shot? Um, you know, again, this is getting yeah. very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, let's end with some good news. And yes. This, this is, hits close to home. Local. Here in Tennessee. Yes. And this is from ChristianHeadlines.com. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker wants to spread the word of Jesus Christ through his platform. Yes, uh, Hendon Hooker, who announced in December that he will return for the 2022 season instead of placing his name in the NFL draft. It's good news for you Tennessee fans. Helped the Vols break multiple records last year. Uh, An outspoken Christian, Hooker and his brother Alston, recently released a book filled with their favorite Bible verses designed for children in the form of a comic book. It's, It's entitled The ABCs of the Scripture of Athletes. And I quote, growing up in a church, you're around it all the time. You really have no choice but to attend, he said, laughing. I remember us growing up in children's church. We had a lot of activities. My dad used to lead activities all the time in kids' church. We used to have game nights where we would play basketball or have laser tag, but it was always a message within the game. And I quote, and that was something I took away from that, that I can use the game to get the message out there and spread the word of Jesus Christ. Let me just say, no way to go. You know, I mean, you look at these guys that take their abilities, Greg. Uh, you look at Hendon, and he's taking his ability as a quarterback that's gifted, the position that God's put him in to spread the gospel. It's always good news, like you said. And it's not just him saying, yes, I give honor to Jesus. I mean, this guy's doing ministry. I mean, to write a book and to get with his brother and put out some kind of ministry comic book, listen, that's how you reach the next generation. They love comic books. That's kind of the whole Marvel thing based on the comic books of Marvel and all that. And I just want to say, you know, you know kudos out to Hendon Hooker. And I didn't realize he was a Christian. I hadn't followed football yeah, as much here recently. Either. But you know yeah. what? Uh, good for him, and now he's been bold about it. He's heading into his senior year being bold about it, spreading the gospel. And I believe there's going to be a great uh, you know, great fruit from that that's going to come out of that. And so, again, be praying for this young man. He's going to probably come under a little bit of attack for, for this yeah. to some degree. But yeah. the good news is he's still in the South where people allow you to talk about God without trying to you know put you to death. And so that's a good thing. You yeah. know? Well, well, the time we have left, Pastor Mark, let's talk about some good news in terms of the invitation yes. that you want to make to people that we will be local in the Knoxville area to come to our Easter celebration. Yes, thank you, Greg, for bringing that up. Again, we are having a, a major Easter celebration, like I'm sure all the churches in town. Here's our heart, though. We're not, again, putting it out there for those that have a home church. You need to go to your home church all the time, but especially then. Uh, but you should be going all the time, not so much especially then. But we are doing a, a, a citywide outreach. We're trying to reach in, taking, uh, doing evangelistic outreaches with our evangelistic team to invite people to the Civic Auditorium on April 17th. That's Easter, if you will. And we're going to be meeting there in the Civic Auditorium with special worship by Terry Clark, who was a worship leader for the Promise Keepers for many years as they traveled the nation. And he's going to be there leading us in worship, and we're hoping to reach the unchurched. We're hoping to reach those who don't know the Lord. And to give a personal invitation to you right now, if you don't have a home church and if you don't know Jesus yeah. Christ, I want to invite you to Calvary Chapel right now, but especially to join us on that day at the Civic Auditorium, and where you can hear the gospel and just see the love of Christ. And we're also too, I should say, Pastor Mark, we're promoting this as an Easter celebration, even though for those of you that are familiar with us we you know that we've always referred to it as and what it is it's resurrection sunday yes and and that's what we like to say however when we're talking about reaching those people that are maybe unchurched or not familiar with that term it's easier for us to say easter yes and they'll know what that means thank you for doing versus versus resurrection sunday but i guarantee you if you do come april 17th uh 10 30 to the knoxville civic auditorium and listen to pastor mark's message on that sunday you are going to hear about the resurrection because it's the whole purpose of why we celebrate that day and it's the whole reason why we can call ourselves christians it's the whole reason why we have the power of the holy spirit in our lives 
is because of that. Yeah, this isn't about Easter eggs and bunnies. And again, thank you for clarifying that, Greg. We refer to it as the Resurrection Day of the Lord. It's Resurrection Celebration. But again, when you're trying to reach the world, they don't know what you're always talking about. Yeah. They refer to it as Easter. So we're using Easter in our pr- promoting of it yeah. so people know what we're talking about. But we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and uh, the fact he rose and again is alive. And he's for you today if you'll simply turn to him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. That, Pastor Mark, thank you so much, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next Friday at 1.30 to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today are truly pointing to God's Word as signs of the times. See you next Friday. pretty sure the door won't slam. I'm pretty sure I ordered the right food. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty sure there's enough gas. Sometimes pretty sure won't cut it. God isn't interested in guesses. He wants you to be confident that he has answers that are more than just pretty sure. He shares what you need to know in the Bible. I'm pretty sure that... But are you certain? Keep in contact with the God who knows. WIAM 101.1 FM. The Way.